1 Peter 2, 13 to 25 is the scripture for today. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 25. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is the Lord's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Not only those who do good and who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is, the, it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of an unjust suffering because they, are, because they are conscious of God. But how is it, to your credit, if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example, that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they held their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thanks, thanks, Corey. Please grab your Bibles there. We need to open to 1 Peter in chapter 2. I encourage you to have it open there in front of you. And, and we're coming to a very big passage today. We have got a lot to get through, and yet this is God's Word. And so have it open in front of you as we come to a, a big passage today. 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to ask that question. I want to ask one question. Is How are we to live beautifully? How are you living beautifully? How are we to live beautifully in a pandemic world? How are we to live in an epidemic? Because we are in a pandemic world. We are in the midst of an epidemic that covers the whole face of the planet. There's not a single person in this room. There's not a single person in Australia. There's not a single person across the face of this globe that is not affected by this epidemic. It's not an epidemic or pandemic that has affected us in 2020. It's not the pandemic that has affected us in 2021. It's a far bigger pandemic that has affected us for thousands of years. And that is rebellion. It's that we want to fight authority. There's an epidemic of rebellion. Maybe this morning your two-year-old came out to you and said, Hey, Dad! Can I have an ice cream for breakfast? And you say, no. And what do they do? They have a tantrum and they want to rebel. 
You see it in them. As you're at Bunnings, a five-year-old who's got the Christmas lights, they've crawled up in the fetal position underneath the cabinetry because mum says, no, you cannot have those Christmas lights. And they sit there and say, yes, mum, I want them. Rebellion. As you drive this week on the M4 and you see someone there speeding, pulled over, rebellion. Exodus all. Or even if you're 85 years of age, an 85-year-old who has now been restricted, they can only drive in daylight hours and that person says, how dare you take my driving license off me? I've been driving for 50 years. That's rebellion. We live in an epidemic where rebellion is everywhere. And it's been happening since the fall. Adam and Eve, they fought authority and said, no, we know better. And don't think that any of us in this room have escaped the reality of rebellion. At the heart of rebellion is you and me saying, I know better. See, the opposite of submission is rebellion. The opposition of submission is rebellion. And so how are we to live out our beautiful lives? We're going to see a couple of things today. But as we come to this text, we need to be reminded of what we looked at a couple of weeks ago because that sets the context of 1 Peter chapter 2. A couple of weeks ago, we saw that we are to live as strangers. This is not our home. We're just passing through. We have a new identity in Christ Jesus. So we live that out. We're, we're sojourners, we're foreigners, we're travelling through. But not only are we travelling through, but we're at war. We live at war. We are fighting. There's, this, there's a desire of the flesh that we are to fight. We're in a battle. But not only that, what does Peter say? We are to live beautifully. We are to live a beautiful life. Live such good lives that the pagans, among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. We are on mission. As we live beautiful lives, we are on mission for Jesus. And as we live beautiful lives, some will come to trust in the finished work of Christ. And it's in that context today that we come to these words. How are we to live beautiful lives? Of all words and of all things Peter picks, he picks submission. Why? Well, because rebellion is at the heart of it, isn't it? At the sinly flesh, he, he, he dresses it straight away. We're, at a, we're in a battle of rebellion against submission. And so in strange times, as we live as strangers in a strange world, how do we live beautiful lives? Well, firstly, it's joyful submission. We live a beautiful and an attractive life in joyful submission. Did you notice the word submit? See, next week we're going to have the same. So you look at verse 13. Submit yourselves. Look at verse 18. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves. Go to next week's passage in verse 1. Submit yourselves. This passage is surrounded by submission. And yet the thought of submitting grates against our culture. But what does submitting look like? Well, submitting is recognizing that we have ordered structure. There is ordered structure in creation. There is ordered structure from God. 
And how do we show that there's ordered restructure? We show it by respecting and honouring people in authority. And how do we respect and we honour people in authority? We obey people in authority. See, this is countercultural, isn't it? To think that we are people who are meant to submit. It's as countercultural as the Queen of England with her high tees and her fancy dress. It's as countercultural as if the Queen of England would move to Byron Bay and Nimbin and settle down there. She would stand out. See, this is countercultural in our society. Because at the heart of every single person is rebellion. We've been affected by the fall. Joyful submission. But do you notice that it's, it's joyful? Now the word joyful is not there, but notice it says submit yourselves. Earlier in the book it says enjoy, enjoy. Now often we picture submission as something against our will. It's something that's been forced and coerced upon us. Now, UFC, Ultimate Fight Championships. Now, it's a mixed martial arts where people get in the ring, they punch, they kick, they wrestle. And, and the idea of UFC is that you go in there and you are to dominate and you hope that you overpower the person so that they submit. Either you knock them out or they submit and they tap out and you've won. That's often how we view submission. But here, this is a submission that's motivated from the heart. It's a submission that comes from inside. It's actually a motivation from us being as strangers living in this foreign world. This is a joyful thing that we do. Did you notice it's passive? Submit yourselves joyfully. Very countercultural to joyfully submit in a world that joyfully rebels. It's countercultural. Now, in the first century, Peter's writing to people who were living during the reign of Nero, the emperor. Now, Nero was an interesting emperor. He became an emperor because his mum married Tiberius, uh, Claudius, the emperor Claudius. She married him, and so happens to be that that emperor said, oh, Nero can be the next emperor. Now, Nero was sort of a, he was an interesting emperor. People sort of loved him, but people also hated him. He was an interesting emperor. During the fires of AD 64 that, that destroyed a lot of the Roman city, he blamed it on the Christians. But also at the same time, he acquired, after those houses were burnt, he acquired 250 acres for himself off the people, forcefully. And he said, I'm going to build a palace on that 250 acres. And he did. But not only that, um, Nero didn't like his mum's influence, so he poisoned well, actually, he didn't poison her. He actually killed her. He tried to drown her, drown her, but she actually swam away. And so he eventually sent the military to go and kill her. He killed his first wife, his second wife. And his third wife, you know how he acquired his third wife? He forced her husband to commit suicide. Nero, he was an interesting emperor. And what does Peter say to a Christians who are in minor Asia, who people feel they're suspicious about them. Nero was suspicious about the Christians of this new movement. And what does Peter say there? Submit yourselves in verse 13 for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. 
How do we live beautiful lives? Well, it's not only joyful submission, but it's joyful submission towards government. Did you notice that he doesn't just class the emperor? He goes through all the structures of government and says everyone is who you submit to. Whether it's federal, whether it's state, whether it's local, whether it's Centrelink, whether it's to the police, whether it's to your soccer club that your kids are a part of. Government is a gift from God. It come, you know, God speaks to his people in Israel and he says, here's what you're going to do as a nation. There was structure, there was government. Government is a gift from God. Go to Romans chapter 13 for a moment. Turn back to Romans chapter 13. And as you go there, I'm going to read from the book of Daniel for a moment. As you go back to Romans chapter 13, in, in Daniel chapter 4, In Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, the decision is announced by messengers, the holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High, which is Yahweh, the Lord God, that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. Now let's go to the, so we see in the Old Testament, we see that God is sovereign over all governments. But have a look at Romans chapter 13. Verse 1. It starts off very similar. This is the Apostle Paul, though, writing this, and it's very similar to what Peter says. Let them be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except which, that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against, the, against what God has instituted. To paraphrase one commentator, he says, God maintains order in this world for the common good of society through his appointed governing authorities. You see that? God maintains order in this world for the common good of society through his appointed governing authorities, even though they're flawed. Remember, you and me, we're rebellious from birth. We're flawed as well. And yet God works through flawed men and women. Remember how, disordered the, remember how disorder entered the world? It came through sin and rebellion. You are rebelling against God when you rebel against the government he's appointed. You are, you are not living beautifully if you're not submitting. You are worshipping God with awe and reverence when you honour and submit to those who He's sovereignly appointed over us. But you notice He doesn't just say submit when their policies suit your policies that you want for Australia. He doesn't just say submit when all the things that they do align with your desires and your interests and your comfort for Australia. See, even a flawed prime minister, even a flawed, you know, even a flawed state premier, politicians do good. Roads, health, education. And so joyful submission towards the government. Why? Well, look at verse 15. For it's God's will. So it's God's will for our life to submit. 
See, that, that four there is the reason for what he's just said. But not only are we to submit because it's God's will, but it's also God's will that we do good. See, Christians were seen as suspicious by, the, by the, those around them in the Roman Empire. They thought, well, hang on, these, these people are saying God's, the, the one true God is the God that they worship. So does that mean they're going to disrespect all the other authorities? See, our awesome identity, remember he just said, you are exiles, you're a chosen people, you're a holy nation. That does not mean that you are exempt from submitting to earthly authorities. You can't go and say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I'm going to speed. I'm exempt from it. You can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I'm exempt from the public health order. You can't say, I'm a follower of Jesus, therefore I'm exempt to pay, not to not pay my taxes. And to be honest, on my Centrelink forms that I fill in about what I'm earning. See, in Jeremiah, Jeremiah writes, he speaks to people who are just like us who are in exile. The people Jeremiah writes to, they are in Babylon, away and exiled. And you and me, Peter talks to us as if we are like them. And Jeremiah says to the people, he says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city that you find yourself in. You find yourself in Toon Gabby right now, whatever suburb that you are in, we seek the prosperity and the peace of the city we live in. See, Peter doesn't say, did you notice he doesn't say submit to good leaders? Or he doesn't say just submit to those you agree with? Because if you just submit to those you agree with, is it really submission? But he says submit to good and evil. In the strange times that we live in, how are we to, to live out our beautiful lives? It's joyful submission towards the government. It's joyful submission. I wonder as parents, I want to ask the moms and the dads for a moment. I wondered, as you may rebuke your kids, maybe you rebuke your kids for not, you know, submitting to you. That as you rebuke them and say, you must do as I ask you to do, I wonder that night at the kitchen table, do you sit there and you talk about despising, disdaining and rebuking and saying, there's no way I could submit to this government here in this nation. And one pastor says, if, if you do that with your kids, and yet on the other hand, you despise and disdain the government, he says, you're actually a hypocrite. Because what will happen is we will have to the second and the third generation people who think, because <laughs> you as a parent will reveal what it means to actually submit. And it will flow on and it will flow into the life of the church in how we view submission. It's not healthy. Kids will grow up with an unhealthy view of position and authority. That's why when Moses speaks, he says, honour your parents. He's saying that the foundation of society is honour and respect and submitting to authority. And if we don't get that right, it'd have devastating effects. But, but surely it's, 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 it's okay, isn't it? Over the table meal with my kids, maybe to, to joke about the incompetencies of the government that's in Parliament at the moment. Or, or surely it's okay sort of to to have my mates around for pizza from church and, and we catch up and it's okay for me to pay out on my boss and his incompetencies. Let's have a look at verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honour the emperor. 
Now, honour the emperor would have been way more costly for Peter's audience and friends in minor age than it is for us. Sitting in an air-conditioned, comfortable room. See, he says, honour everyone. What was happening in the ancient world is, you, you know Nero, I've talked about Nero already as an emperor. He was an interesting emperor, but towards the end of his rule and his reign, guess what he claimed to be? Deity. They built a palace. They were going to put a statue up of him because the Romans and the people of Rome thought that Nero was a god. And so here, what is, what is Peter doing? Well, it's really interesting. He says, fear God, which is you're worshipping God as the God of the universe. And what could easily happen in the ancient world is people say, well, Christians could say, well, Nero's not God, therefore I won't submit to him. But he's saying, no, 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 be in awe of God. But at the same time, honour the emperor. He's not God, but honour the emperor. But also honour everyone else. I've got a book here by Barry Strauss. He's a historian. Now, Nero blamed the Christians for a lot of things. He was also had a misconception of them. He said they were also guilty more simply of, look how he thought of them, that they hated the human race. They had a hatred of the human race. That was Nero's perception of Christians. When actually we don't. Do you, do you notice what Peter says here? He says, honour everyone, respect their position. We don't, we are to see people with their dignity and worth, that they are humans who have been created in the image of God. He's saying, honour everyone. Don't speak to them how you shouldn't. Joyful submission. But as I talk about joyful submission, I know that in the sense of this room, I, I would say some of you will be sort of going, yes, James, but. We naturally do it because we want to fight authority. We'll be going, yes, James, but. What about civil disobedience? When is the time to do civil disobedience? Can I just show you something in this text? It's really interesting because everyone, a lot of commentators I read, they often go to give you reasons when you can give civil disobedience. Now, Peter knows our hearts that we're rebellious. But Peter nowhere in this text alludes to civil disobedience. We instinctively want to know when we can disobey rather than I will do whatever I can, however I can, and in the will of God submit to those who he has placed over us. Isn't that interesting that our natural desire is to go, but... Now, there will be a time, won't there? There is a time for civil disobedience when it's outside the will of Jesus. There is a time for that. But as you scrouge the pages of scriptures that have been written over thousands and thousands of years, what you will see that it is very far and few between where there is the need for civil disobedience. It's rarely there. Joyful submission. Sometimes we just don't like to submit because it's costly. It's costly of our time, it's costly of our money, it's costly because it's uncomfortable for us. Submission is very, very costly. But as Christians, it's joyful. It's not something that we do out of dread. It's not something that we, we, we do because it's, oh, I have to do it. But it's something that comes from a motivation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't it sad to hear of Christians who ditch 
politicians whom they didn't vote for. They share stories of slander without actually checking in on the details to know whether it's true. It's sad, isn't it? Because it hurts our witness as Christians to ditch and slander. It hurts our witness and it misrepresents the character of God when we do it. And it's been sad to hear of Christians in this current moment using other people's vaccination status or creating a fake one so that they can walk into a shop that's not essential. In that moment, it's so sad because they've misrepresented the character of God in that moment. We rebel joyfully against the government then. But we're to be joyful in submission. See, because... Our world, our culture says freedom is found not in submitting. To submit, there is no freedom. But actually, the biblical view is actually freedom is in submission. Freedom is found in submission. You're not free to do 180k an hour on the M7. If you had that freedom, do you really want that freedom for your 18-year-old child who's on their P's when they drive down the M7? Do you really want that freedom to drive at 180? Do you really want that freedom? Do you really want that freedom in this world so that as your 15-year-old teenage girl walks down the street, do you really want freedom from, submi- freedom from submitting? Do we really want that for our 14-year-old girl or for our 18-year-old son? Do we really want that? where they, people can be just free to do whatever they want. See, freedom is found in submission. This week, I was, uh, I think it's Fitz, is it Fitzwilliam Street? I think I was driving down there. I was driving down there, and it was on school pick-up time, and I'm driving down the, the boys in the car. I'm doing 60K an hour, and I didn't see the 40K an hour sign. And I got halfway through the traffic lights there, and I'm going, oh, school zone. So I've just hit the brakes, get down to 40, and I'm looking over my shoulder, where are the cops? In that moment, I'm thinking, am I going to get booked? There's a speed camera to my right. There's a speed camera to my left. And in that moment, I'm going, man, I'm dreading, am I going to get caught? That's not freedom, is it? That's not freedom to to not submit to government because all what will happen is we'll be looking over our shoulders all the time to go, are the police going to catch me? I worked with a man who was a compulsive liar that nearly every sentence, every day, he was lying about something. He had a new story to tell about what he did last night. He had a new story for the people he was selling cars to. He was compulsive. And he thought that by lying compulsively, he was living the free life. He thought it made himself look good. He thought it made him sell more cars. But the reality was he wasn't free. Why? Because when you tell lies, you have to remember every other story. You have to remember every lie you've told. Because one day you'll get caught out. Do you see that? There's no freedom in not submitting. There's actually freedom in submission because you don't have to look over your shoulder. There's freedom to have speed limits. There's freedom in that. And look at verse 16. Live as free people. Live as free people. But don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. We are truly at liberty to do what is right. Before we knew Christ, before we were rescued, we were slaves to sin, but now we are slaves to righteousness. We are at liberty to do what is right. 
It'd be easy, wouldn't it, to say, hey, I'm, I'm free in Jesus, therefore I don't have to submit. But actually submitting to government authorities is saying you are free in Jesus because you're submitting to Jesus. Joyful submission is beautiful. Imagine the difference it would make as you sit in a tax accountant's office or as you sit with a lawyer. Imagine the difference when you talk to a police officer or you go to the Centrelink and, and you talk with the staff behind the counter. Imagine the difference it makes when you joyfully submit to authority. Imagine the difference it would make to, and the impact you have on store owners and staff. I know this is it's probably a bit sensitive, but as I walk into shops and when a staff member at the moment says, hey, and they say, I'm really sorry, I've got to ask for this and this and this, and they're really nervous, I just say to them, what are you sorry for? It's okay. This is your job. This is what you've been asked to do. It's okay to ask me that question. It's okay. It's okay to ask me that question. Don't feel bad about it. It's okay. Here, here's what you need. We're here to listen and, and, and do what they ask of us. In strange times, how do we live out beautiful lives? Well, it's joyful submission towards the government, but we also see it's joyful submission in the workplace. Now, I, I want to ask the question, how, are you, do you rejoice? Are you glad to have a boss who tells you what to do? Do you love it when a boss tells you that you have to do this, you have to do that? I wonder, are you happy about that? Verse 18. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Submit yourself. Now, We've got to be careful here culturally. We're in a different setting. But also I want to be very careful as we talk about slaves because we've also got to be careful that we don't bring the American view of slavery into this text. Slavery in the first century was different to American slavery. But also Peter is not approving of the slavery in the ancient world either. He's just speaking to Christians in that minority group saying here's how you live in this situation. But there is a difference for slavery back then. Some of those differences is slaves, they had no rights, they had no legal rights. If they had a child, that child was not theirs, it was the master's, legally. But also, to be a slave, you could come out of slavery, you could pay your way out. But in the ancient world, slaves could be a miner, they could be a farmer, they could be a doctor, they could be a teacher. Often, the slaves would actually be more educated than the master themselves. And so we've got to be sure we don't, we don't impose too much on this text. But also we've got to remember that, that this was foundational to the Roman Empire, this way of working. So imagine if this small movement of Jesus followers in one moment said, sorry, we're free in Christ, we're not going to obey our masters. There would actually be an uprising within the city. Because it actually would shatter the, the foundations of how they function. But isn't it amazing to see over 2,000 years how in the 15th, 16th, 17th century slavery, Christians used their witness and they're encouraged to change how we view people, that we honour everyone. But in a way, it's really talking to us as well in our workplace, isn't it? It's not that we're free to do whatever we want, but we're to submit to every human authority. To submit authority is to submit to God's authority. It's to submit to God's authority. You, say in one vo you may say in one voice at work, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus. 
and you say, hey, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, and yet you just don't, you don't put in a hard week's worth of work. You actually don't work your hours that you're paid for. You know, your boss comes to you on a Friday afternoon and says, hey, James, you know, on Monday I've got this special job for you and I'd love you to come in first thing at 8am and I want you to do this. Now, it's a job that I hate to do. And so I think, oh, man, I don't want to do that job, so you chuck a sickie so you don't have to do it. But we submit. We, we, we find it joyful to obey our bosses. You know, as the morning tea, you know, as your work colleagues get around the morning tea table or when you're in university setting and you get around the table where they take the mickey out of their boss or the lecturers, it's a moment where we don't. It's a moment where we joyfully submit to what they ask us to do. Willing to joyfully submit stands out among those who are willingly ready to rebel. It's honouring the boss even when you don't agree with their decisions and their direction. You know, it's the boss is on holidays. He's left. So everyone locks up five minutes early and they play Temple Run all day long while you just putt along and do what he's asked you to do and above that. But having an evil boss or a government doesn't mean you disrespect their position. Having an evil boss or a government doesn't mean you disrespect their position or their place. Do you notice that in this passage? Um, I've heard it said, no way will I submit to this evil government. And the person was alluding to the New South Wales government saying, there's no way I'll submit to government in any form because of the abortion bill. Now, as Christians, we value life and we see that as wrong. But that doesn't mean that we don't still submit to road rules, does it? It doesn't mean we still don't submit to the things that they ask of us. You know, I was thinking about this this week. Imagine... Right. We, we re, the reality is we're rebellious. We're, we're all rebe- evil. We're all flawed. So imagine if you said, hey, there's no way I'm going to submit to, <laughs> to the Premier of this state. Well, so should your employees not submit to you because you're flawed. You do things that are wrong. See, that statement of no way will I submit actually reveals a deeper problem in our hearts. It reveals a much deeper problem of rebellion and sin. Because here it is. God has chosen you to Gabby. God has chosen to reveal his character through you. He has chosen to reveal his character to the surrounding suburbs. Through you, to oppressors, to politicians, to your work friends, to the parents on the sideline at soccer. He's using you to reveal his character through your business and through your conduct in the midst of oppression. That's what he's asking us to do. Joyful submission in the workplace. Howard was, Howard was stuck on, a, on the tarmac. He was on a plane in America. And what had happened, the plane was delayed. And so they're there on the tarmac. tarmac and, and they're there waiting. And the plane's there. And they're there for hour after hour. And guess what happens on planes when the plane doesn't leave on time? People start to 
whinge and complain. Excuse me, ma'am, when are we going to leave? This is unacceptable. I've paid my money. And it just goes on and on. But Harold was in this plane and there was this hostess who was getting grilled by one person over and over and over again. And in every response, this hostess said with kind words and grace and mercy, she overflowed grace and mercy to that person in that situation. And when they got off the other end, Howard thought, you know what, I'm going to go over to her and ask her name. And he went over to this lady and said, excuse me, I saw the way in which you were measured calm and the grace that you've shown to that person. And I want to write to your employee and say, she did a wonderful job at submitting in her role. And she said to him, I don't work for them. I work for Jesus Christ. She said in that moment. See, for working for Jesus Christ meant that she showed grace and mercy to those people. Okay. How do we live beautiful lives in strange times? Well, it's joyful submission towards the government. It's joyful submission in the workplace. And here is three reasons why. There's about four, but I'm going to skip one. I'm going to go to three reasons why. And the first one is, it, is Jesus is who we imitate. Why do we joyfully submit? Because Jesus is who we imitate. Have a look at verse 21. To this you were called. We were called to endure. We were called to suffer because Christ suffered for you. And what did Christ leave for you? He led, left for you an example that you should follow in his steps. He's saying follow in Jesus' steps. This year, we had to homeschool our kids for week after week after week. Now, I'm the dad who would just go, hey, just do what you have to do and go off and have fun for the rest of the day. Whereas their mum is the one that says, no, we've paid and you're going to do your education and you're going to do it really well. But occasionally, I'd have to get lumped with trying to get my kids to do their schoolwork. Now, Will, he's in kindergarten. He's the youngest of our kids. He's in kindy. He's learned to read and write. And guess what they would send home for Will to do? An A4 piece of paper, and it would have the letters of the alphabet written all on it with little dots. And guess what Will had to do every day? Trace the A, trace the B, trace the C, trace the D. Why? Because they're wanting him to imitate and learn how to imitate those words and to write those words down. And here, that's exactly what Peter means when it says, leaving you an example. It's to trace Jesus. Why do we joyfully submit? Because we trace Jesus, we imitate Jesus. Why do we joyfully submit? Because our life is shaped by the crucified Christ. Look at verse 22. Following his steps, what did Jesus do? Jesus committed no sin. There was no deceit was found in Jesus' mouth. This all comes from Isaiah 53. When they hurled their insults at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When Jesus suffered, Jesus made no threats. It's easy to make threats, isn't it, when things don't go our way? Instead, he entrusted himself. And who did Jesus entrust himself to? God the Father, who judges justly. See, suffering isn't a detour on our journey. It's part of the journey. It's a part of the journey to our inheritance. But we desire to submit we desire to submit to ungodly authorities out of a response to the suffering and crucified Christ. Not only are we to walk in his path of suffering, but we are to walk in his path of joyful submission. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
But not only is that a reason, but it's because Jesus endured sorrow for us as well. Jesus endured that sorrow. Did you notice as I read, Jesus endured sorrow and suffering for who? For us. Knowing what Christ endured, knowing what Christ went through, that he was spat upon, he was beaten. Knowing what Christ endured, my friends, makes what he suffered, makes wearing a mask trivial and not something worth complaining about in comparison to what Christ did on the cross for us. Maybe we've cheated on our tax return. Or maybe as we've dealt in business by taking cash in the hand, in that moment we've forgotten the suffering servant. In that moment where we may skirt around government restrictions knowing we shouldn't be in that shop, but feel like, why don't we have a go? In that moment we have forgotten what Christ has gone through for us. We live in a culture that is struggling to submit. And yet in the culture that Jesus was, he didn't claim his rights. If anyone in the entire universe could claim it, who could claim it? Jesus. And yet up he gave up his heavenly home for a, a place of suffering. Imagine the beautiful lives we would live if we would lay down our life and give up our rights. Imagine the way that it would shape our marriages. Imagine the way it would shape how we raise our kids. Imagine the way how it would shape church life and the decisions we made. Imagine the difference when we live a crucified life rather than a rights-based life. And it's in that moment that we can joyfully submit. And Jesus could face what he faced. Do you notice why he could face what he faced? Because God the Father is just. We can judge. We can feel like we know all the answers. I know better. But let me remind you that none of us are sitting in Parliament office hearing everything that's going on. Hearing every piece of evidence. Seeing every heart that is in that room. But Jesus does. We have a God who is just, who sees everything and will bring about justice when he returns. And how good it is, how gracious he's been that we don't, we don't receive the justice that you and me should have received because he poured it on his son of the cross. But amidst this joyful submission, how beautiful it is that it's actually Jesus who empowers us. Jesus empowers us in verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. See, not only did he bore our sin, not only did he die in our place, not only have we been forgiven, not only do we have a, a, a righteousness that we've been declared righteous, but actually now because of that, Jesus is empowering us to live righteous lives. Don't think that by living like Jesus, you will atone for your sin. You cannot do that. Isaiah 53 here tells us that. It's Jesus who does it. We all have rebellious hearts. That's why we need to run to Jesus. It's very clear from these illusions that Jesus is the one who, who pays for sin. It's Jesus who has paid it all. But it's very clear that it's him who healed. It's him who empowers you and me right now as we run to him to joyfully submit. And why can we joyfully submit? Because of who he is. May we as a church be a church that is in awe of worship. And one of those ways that we show an awe of worship is we joyfully submit. 
We joyfully submit to governing authorities. We joyfully submit in the workplace. We joyfully submit down the street. And how do we live a beautiful life? Joyful submission in a world that joyfully rebels. Because see, my friends, we are a bunch of rebels who have been saved by grace. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cross. How do we live beautiful lives? We can live it because of Jesus. Because Jesus, on the night he was in Gethsemane, in the garden of Gethsemane, he cried out, Lord, your will be done, not mine. And he perfectly submitted to his father's will on that night. And as the guards come, as Judas comes, to take Jesus away. Peter pulls out his sword and he cuts the ear off a guard. And what does Jesus say? It's not time for this. And what does Peter write to us today? He says, joyfully submit. A man who's been changed by the gospel. But not only did Jesus willfully and fully submit to his father's will, God fully, Jesus fully submitted to his father's will whilst at the same time submitting to evil and crooked Herod and Pontius Pilate. He did that for us. He did that for us so that we could be his. Let's joyfully submit and let's turn our eyes to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that in our rebellion you came and you rescued us. Father, it is a fight, it is a battle, it is a war of rebellion going on in our hearts. But Father, may we live such beautiful lives that we submit to you. And therefore, as we submit to you, we submit to all the things that you have placed around us with love and passion and with joy. Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the musicians come, they're going to play in a few moments. We, I think we have a moment where everyone in this room is not... But everyone in this room, we're all rebels. And maybe you, for the first time, you need to go, you know what, I need to turn and submit to Jesus today. And I ask you to do that. But as the, as the musicians come and they play some music, I want to give us 30 seconds. I want to give us a minute. Because every one of us in this room, whether it's been the last year, whether it's been the last month, whether it's been the last week, or it's even been today, we have all struggled with rebellion. And so I want to give you the opportunity in this moment to confess your sin. Because this is a moment given by God for us to stop and to think, thank you, Jesus. I need you. Help me. Because it is so hard in a world that joyfully rebels. So give yourselves a few moments to pray, reflect, and then, then let's stand and let's turn our eyes to Jesus. Jesus.